Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. From right back inside Highmark Stadium, right here in Orchard Park, New York, after the Buffalo Bills. Make it very interesting, Mr. Talbot, here at Highmark Stadium, winning 35-31 in a nail-biter and one that fans aren't going to forget anytime soon. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. And right now, you can enter for a chance to win $1 million. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is putting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown. And you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries for the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. When the game started and the first quarter was humming along, I don't think we thought we were going to be sitting here having the conversation that we're about to have about this team up 17, nothing. And then it was just six straight possessions of just disaster. Josh Allen just turning into the sugar high version of himself and turning the ball over at a, at a very high clip, keeping the dolphins in this game. And, you know, Skylar Thompson, because they allowed them to hang around, felt like he got more comfortable as the game went on. And by the end of the game, just disaster scenario late in this one, having it be a, a three touch, a three point victory for the bills. A lot of things maybe to be concerned about here. Uh, plenty to be concerned about, Mr. Perino. You said it. They're up 17 nothing. Realistically, could have been 21 nothing. Uh, Knox drops the one touchdown. They have to settle for a field goal. But then you mentioned it. You know, what are the Bills doing? They end up throwing a deep ball down the field, uh, a pass intended for John Brown. And whether it was a miscommunication, it just didn't make sense in the moment. You're up 17 to nothing. Uh, James Cook had just had two back-to-back runs for, I believe, 21 yards on those two runs total. And you have a chance to go up even more. You put the ball in Xavier and Howard's hands, and all of a sudden the game kind of turns around at that point. The Bills' defense holds to a few field goals, but before you know it, there's a real game at halftime. And then in the second half, it was still a struggle for the Bills. They got another double-digit lead, but this one never felt uh, like the Bills had just were going to pull away in that second half. Right. And, you know, it, it comes down to coming into this game. It was the conversation that we we're having during the week, like back on the Wednesday show into the Friday show. What is the way that the Bills could kind of screw this all up? And they just did about everything that you could possibly do. I mean, from the turnovers to, you know, uh, giving them short fields, get, letting their, you know, their their defense score a touchdown. You know, those are the kinds of things that you let a team hang around for long enough and it's going to be, you know, they're going to they're going to gain confidence. And there was enough playmakers. Listen, I know a lot of people were out 
for this Miami Dolphins team. But they still had talent at the receiver positions. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell probably left a couple plays out here. And that's a scary thing, too, is that if they make a couple catches in this game, they extend a couple plays, they get you know, a couple extra yards, a few extra first downs. I mean, the, the Dolphins weren't good on, on third down today. They didn't have a ton of yardage. They almost got doubled up by the Bills in total yardage. This should have been an absolute blowout. And this it just comes down to, you know, executing and taking care of the ball. The Bills just didn't do that at times in this game. No, and it wasn't just the turnovers, too. It was special teams. Bills go up 17-0. Tyler Bass just shanks the ball out right. of bounds. Uh, Dolphins started the 40. That's their first scoring drive. Even late in the game, and mind you, the Bills recovered it. Uh, you, you have Naheem Hines muff a, a punt, and, and they're lucky to recover that because this was just a comedy of errors in terms of the turnovers, the Josh Allen fumble in the third quarter after the Bills had a three and out to get things started. Uh, a lot of little mistakes that started to snowball, and really, like you said, ultimately could have cost the Bills this game. Well, let me ask you this first before we move on. What, what was your biggest, like, if you were to take one thing from this game and say, okay, this is the biggest concern I have, because that's what we put in the headline. What would that be as you kind of look ahead to maybe the Bengals? We'll see what happens with the Ravens game and obviously the Chiefs who probably loom as well. So my biggest takeaway, Matt, would be the Bills. I would say they, it was almost a dud of a game, and yet they still scored over uh, they, they scored 30-some points. They still won the game, and this was far from their best effort. So there's a ton to clean up, as you mentioned early on in the show. I, I guess there's something encouraging to be said about being able to win in these difficult games in the playoffs um, and be able to put up 30, 30, uh, 34 points like it's almost nothing, but it's still way too much in, in terms of the negatives as well. So one takeaway that I had that I think is the most encouraging, because to your point, they're probably not going to play offensively like that in most games. I mean, it, it almost was a snowball effect. It's, it, Josh Allen gets into these modes where there's, you know, maybe a turnover or two, and then, you know, he starts pressing and it kind of led into everything. And he also mentioned, which I thought was interesting, like, all right, they were, they were playing a lot of cover zero. They were sending a lot of different blitz, blitz packages at them. They were trying to get pressure on them, force the ball out of his hands. And so the Bills, in turn, which I think the, played into the Miami Dolphins' game plan was, all right, we're going to beat them down the field, and we're going to keep going down the field over and over again because of some of the big plays that they had early on in the game, the first quarter. Well, that ended up playing right into the Miami Dolphins' hands, and then over the course of the, you know, the game, whether it be you know, Ken Dorsey dialing up back-to-back uh, deep ball, goal balls to to Gabe Davis down the left sideline. They almost look like virtually identical yeah. plays. And I just think that, you know, one of the things that he's gotten dinged on over the course of the season when people have been disappointed at times in Ken Dorsey is lack of creativity and maybe, you know, playing into what the the, the other team is expects you to do. I thought that there was some some run calls early in the game when the Bills had things going in the passing game. They were on the attack and it was almost like they had passed like four or five times. They got into a first down, you know, past 50, the 50 yard line. It was almost like, all right, well, we almost have to run the ball now. Right. And I just think those are the kinds of things like you have to almost be two or three steps ahead of the other team. Like, what are they expecting from us? Like, and also maybe sometimes not overthink it and, and just rely on what you're doing well in the moment. I thought that, that kind of stifled a drive early on as well. Yeah. Situational football is what it comes down to. And you mentioned a fourth quarter. Why are you taking two deep shots to Gabe Davis? There's a time and a place for it. There was a, a play in the first half, uh, Khalil Shakir. It looked like a 54 yard catch. Then it gets challenged and overturned uh, on a play like that. It, he was wide open down the field. He needed a big play. Things were starting to snowball at that point. Uh, and he was open. But when, when you're trying to hold on to a lead late in the game, I, I, I did not understand those play calls. Now, 
Was Davis open, especially in that second one? Yes. And if you connect, no one's complaining about that play. But there's something to be said about moving the ball, keeping control of the clock, uh, and, and putting the game away with a, a late score, which the Bills didn't do. They just kind of hung on and, and ended up winning by three. Big takeaway for me, Tredavious White. Listen, are there times he's still kind of getting beat, like looking like out of the out of a play or, or however you want to kind of ana- analyze it? Sure. He's not going to make every play, especially against guys like Trey, or uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Those are tough matchups. But I'm telling you, I'm starting to see a swagger back from Trey White that just feels like he's turning a corner. And maybe he never does fully get back this season to the Trey to all pro Trey. And I noticed that his fiance um, tweeted out today, like all pro Trey with the little you know blow your nose emoji, you know, because obviously supporting uh, her better half, perhaps. But I agree with that. Like it looks like. The all-pro version of Trey White from a mentality perspective, which I think is the most important piece to this. Sean McDermott said today that this secondary made some big plays today. And I was surprised early in the game to see Dane Jackson all in at that CB2 spot. We didn't see any Kyrie Elam until Dane Jackson got injured. Lo and behold, Elam comes in the game and I thought was Arguably their best secondary player outside of, I think you could probably make a case for Dean Marlowe, who had an interception, had a really nice run uh, uh, tackle and run defense. But Kyrie Elam comes in, he makes several plays. The interception, he had a pass breakup where he was fighting with Tyreek Hill. And then he comes up, takes on a blocker, and blows up a running play. I mean, almost like the full experience of a cornerback that you could want in a game. I thought Kyrie Elam delivered that. He got banged up in the game. The Bills said that it was a leg cramp, which I think they dodged a bullet there. We didn't get a chance to talk to Kyrie Elam after the game, but I will give you an advance notice. My toolsy player of the game, Kyrie Elam, I thought came in, gave the Bills a huge spark. When their defense needed to really hold the line in the third and fourth quarter as the Dolphins continue to hang around. Yeah, and we've talked about this, Matt. This is an, this was a player just waiting for his opportunity, and it came today. And, and in the moment, he shined brightly. You uh, Almost two interceptions. The one pass breakup on Tyreek Hill was in his hands at one point. He ended up dropping it. He had a great interception, great play overall. It's what you want to see. And Trey White said post game he wasn't surprised with Elam's plays, a student of the game. Sean McDermott, same thing. You know, you can either put your chin down and mope or you can go and put in the work. And Elam clearly has been putting in that work. He had a very tough matchup today against some really good Dolphins wide receivers. And he had a maybe his best game to date, uh, given the opportunity. Trey White, you mentioned it, uh, rounding back into form, two pass breakups on the day. Uh, he said something interesting post game too, in terms of the work he's put in, the fact that he knows sometimes an injury like this could take two seasons, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just trying to be the best version of himself out there right now. And uh, again, you saw that swag. You saw a little bit of the celebrating. Uh, this is going to be a, a gauntlet for the Bills in the playoffs. Uh, no matter who they play next week, it, it might be the Bengals who have a trio of great wide receivers. And then the week after that, it could potentially be the Chiefs. So th- there's no letdown coming up. So the Bills need Trey White. They need Kyrie Elam, Dean Marlowe and company to just be great, just like they were today. I want to talk a little bit more about the defensive performance, but, but like let's shift gears back over to offense for a moment because I think there's a lot to dive into with this offensive performance from the Bills. Because as you mentioned, I mean, look at the stats here. I mean, 400 and... 23 total yards of offense. They ran 72 plays, 9 of 16 on third down, 25 first downs. They had 107 rushing yards, 316 passing yards. They had two receivers go over 100. I mean, Stephon Diggs had, was over 100 in the, the second, second quarter. Play the second and, then, quarter. and then they literally went out of their way to take him completely out of the game. And what have we talked about in, in the case that when teams want to do that? 
who are going to be the guys to step up? Isaiah McKenzie, he was out today. We'll probably learn more about that hamstring injury over the course of the next week. But you look at Gabe Davis, who steps up into that wide receiver too. Playoff Gabe is a real thing. Yeah. I mean, he comes in here with 113 and a touchdown, some big catches down the stretch, makes that uh, that one catch uh, where he kind of got his arm under there, his hand under the, the ball. That touchdown was a beautiful throw from Josh Allen. And then Khalil Shakir, who makes that big screw up early on, and he was he owned it in the locker room. He was like, listen, that's a bad play. And he said Stefan Diggs came up to him. On the next play, you're going to make a play later in the game. And lo and behold, he does make a big one. When the Bills offense was really struggling, he gives them a big play. And then Cole Beasley, three targets early in this game, no catches. The ball bounces off the front of his jersey, intercepted by the Dolphins. Just nothing going right for Cole Beasley early in this game. And then, you know, he just stays with it, finds a, a way to connect with Josh Allen, gets a touchdown, big-time plays. Dawson Knox could have had two touchdowns today. Big-time plays all around uh, at the weapon spots. Yeah, the weapons were great today. And, and you mentioned it. Khalil Shakir goes over 100 yards if he hauls in that first uh, half right. catch before halftime. Cole Beasley. Uh, Cole Beasley talked about the 20, I believe, a 29-yard reception in, in early on in the game and the touchdown. His first career postseason touchdown. That's and he, he didn't quite go full Lizzo, but he said it's about time that he that he did that. <laughs> so he was really excited about it after the game. Uh, what what you know about Lizzo? Oh, I, I know it's about damn time. That's about it with uh, Lizzo for me. But he, he almost quoted that verbatim. And, he, you know, for Cole Beasley, I, I love what he said. He said it was all about perspective. The first two games he's called up, two receptions, 18 yards. Uh, he was called up for the Bengals game as well. Obviously, didn't have any targets in that one. The game ended midway through the first quarter. And he said, I wasn't necessarily happy with the amount of playing time I was getting, but um, there's something about just being back here with the guys and the fact that he was semi-retired. He was retired, and then he came back out of that retirement. So I like what we saw from him. Dawson Knox, uh, Knox, first of all, uh, fifth straight game with a touchdown reception. He is the, I don't know, probably the first player in Bill's history to, to have the opening touchdown in three consecutive playoff years. Right. First touchdown against the Colts in 2020. First touchdown last offseason against the Patriots, the one in the back of the end zone. First touchdown today. Uh, Knox is stepping up in a big time manner for the bills right now too. And you have to be happy across the board with all of their offensive playmakers at the wide receiver and tight end position. Even Quentin Morris had a, a nice grab today. Yeah. And uh, late in that game, Reggie Gilliam got banged up on a special teams play. And that I think uh, maybe opened up an additional opportunity for Quentin Morris. It's been interesting how they've used Morris. I felt like this season they've started to, you know, later as the season has progressed, they've started to kind of work him in more like into a, all right, Dawson Knox, we're going to kind of try to ease the burden on you from a staff perspective. When you need a blow, let's – and by the way, this is a pretty common phrase, right, like in sports. Like if you're getting tired, yeah. like in a game, like – and you want to like, you know, a break, mm -hmm. you know, that people say like, oh, I need a blow, right? Like I need a couple, you know, breaths of of air, you know, to take a time out. Somebody was giving me a hard time about this recently that what does that mean? I think that's a tale as old as time. I feel like that's a, a pretty common phrase. Yeah, that's a very common phrase. It's exactly what you said. You need a few plays off on the sidelines. Uh, you, you get a blow and you let someone come in and replace you. And in this case, it's Quentin Morris. And, you know, Morris was an undrafted free agent in, in the past few years. And raw ability in terms of the athleticism, in terms of former, uh, receiver. former receiver. Yeah. And you like what he's brought to this team this year. And you hope that he has some competition for tight end two in the offseason but you like what you've also seen given those limited opportunities. Um, all right. So we talked about some weapons stepping up, which is huge because next week if you're playing the Bengals, you're probably going to be in a shootout. So you're going to need this, almost this exact same performance offensively without the turnovers. And I think Josh Allen knows that, listen, they dodged, you know, some real bullets today. Oh, 
And against a team like the Bengals or the Chiefs, they've seen it over the last couple of years. And listen, there's there's tape out there on this offense of them not turning the ball over in those kinds of situations. So he's got to kind of get things together. It's been a little bit more of a herky-jerky year from a, from a, a turnover perspective. And it goes back to something we've been talking about, and it's the perfect transition point. There's some issues on this offensive line. I mean, Josh Allen was hit 13 times today. He was sacked seven times today. And I think what you're seeing with the way that he's putting the ball in jeopardy from the way that he's holding it when he's running from the, you know, errant passes that he's kind of throw the dangerous passes he's thrown at times is a comes down to the fact that every time he drops back, he's under siege. I mean, like there's, there's breakdowns in front of him all game long. I mean, I noticed on at least five separate occasions where Spencer Brown just completely got blown up in his block. Now, to be fair, he's going against Jalen Phillips, who honestly is starting to look like the best pass rush, pure pass rusher of that draft a couple of years ago. He looked dominant today at times. Now, I don't know how much of that was against going against Spencer Brown and how much of that was Jalen Phillips, but he looked really good. They have some real work to do on this offensive line. And I, I, I do wonder if you're talking about big time overarching concerns, do the Bills have enough firepower on that offensive line to go up against DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson next round, potentially Chris Jones, potentially after that. And oh, by the way, there might be a San Francisco 49ers or Philadelphia Eagles team waiting in the Super Bowl. I mean, that that's a you talk about a gauntlet. That is a loaded gauntlet of real talent on defensive line. Yeah. And listen, I mean, some of it was just poor play. Some of it was miscommunications. One of Allen's first sacks, it looked like Ryan Bates was pulling. He thought it was a run play mm-hmm. and he had pressure right in his face. This offensive line did not play well today. Like you said, 13 hits seven sacks. They have to be better across the board, uh, stronger matchups to come. And the bills, you know, they, they can't do anything about it now. It's definitely, I think going to be a priority number one in the off season via the draft, maybe get some uh, quality linemen in, but the interior was really beat up today. I thought that Zach sealer had an outstanding game and I don't have his stats in front of me, but he, he was the MVP for me for the dolphins. I, I feel like he had multiple sacks along uh, with Christian Wilkins, I split a few where Allen didn't gain anything, but they were in his face all game as well. Yeah, he had four quarterback hits, a tackle for a loss on Tuesday. Yeah, that, that's a great game. And you just mentioned some of the guys that are waiting, and this is not a knock on Sealer, uh, but DJ Reader is a more prominent defensive tackle. Chris Jones is a more prominent defensive tackle. So it's not just coming off the edges with Spencer Brown, who has been a, a big problem this year. Uh, it's also the interior right now as well. Let's shift gears to the other the other line for the Bills, their defensive line, which, you know, you look at a game like this with all these injuries on the Dolphins offensive line, and you probably say to yourself, you're going to need a big time performance from that D line. And, you know, you, you're without Liam Meikenberg, Taron Armstead is 100%, not 100%. Like, let's let's be honest. You know, the the Dolphins were killing themselves. I think they had, at the, at, at the end of the game, four false start penalties. I mean, just completely, you know, reckless you know, game management from uh, just an offensive perspective in that front. But I thought the D-line stepped up and played really well. And I thought Leslie Frazier mixed in the blitzes really good. When you went back and watched last week's game, the Dolphins against the Jets, who obviously had that really good defensive yeah. line, some of the wins they had against Skylar Thompson were when they were sending Quincy um, Williams, the linebacker, on some blitz uh Looks And I thought Matt Milano did a great job of that today. Two sacks. He he was responsible for three of the 11 quarterback hits 
on Skylar Thompson. Huge game for Milano. Had two tackles for a loss as well. And I thought, you know, the big thing for the Bills defense, too, tackling. Like, I, I didn't notice a ton of missed tackles. Milano had one on that one Fourth play, down, yeah, where he probably should have made the tackle. But I thought overall, really, really good work from this Bills defense and the, specifically the D-line. Yeah, the D-line played well in terms of getting pressure. They also did a great job of stopping the run today. Uh, you go back to the previous matchup, and yes, I know Raheem Mostert was not in this game. Uh, but Mostert ran all over the Bills, averaged eight yards per carry. What was the final stat line for the running backs today or the running game? 20 carries for 42 yards. They averaged 2.1 yards a pop on the ground. That's unreal. And, and you would have thought that leaning on the run game would have been something they wanted to do in Miami uh, with the young quarterback, having Jeff Wilson in the system, uh, Ahmed as well, two guys that have run the ball pretty well for them this season. The Bills just shut that down. In terms of the pass rush, uh, Boogie Basham with the sack. I think Daquan Jones may have had the other one on the D-line. Um, I'm actually, No, I'm sorry, Ed Oliver. Daquan Jones had a, a, at least one pressure. Uh, you had uh, a good game across the line. Shaq Lawson had some pressure there too. So they were able to make him move. And uh, again, Skylar Thompson, looking back at the game, maybe he he's going to look back and say, man, I should have taken off and used my legs on a few of those plays. Right. But the Bills were able to force him out of the pocket, get a lot of throwaways, uh, get a lot of difficult passes along the sidelines that went incomplete. So I thought they did a good job. Matt Milano was outstanding as usual. I thought the linebackers had a really nice game as well. We got a ton of content coming your way. Obviously, things get ratcheted up quite a bit here as we move into the divisional round of the playoffs. We have a live show coming to you on January 27th. And I we hope for Bill's fans' sake that is an AFC title game preview show. But if even if it ends up being a postseason wrap-up show, the Bills don't get it done next week. That's okay because it's about community. It's about getting together. It's about sharing our, our, our shared interest in, in this Bills team. Obviously, we do this uh, 365 talking about your Buffalo Bills. Hit that like and subscribe, like I mentioned, and find us on all of your podcast platforms. You can always get this in. If you want to do, uh, download this on audio form, you can get it on Apple, Spotify. We meet a ton of people all the time that say they just crush it on the way to work right. or uh, the next day after a game. We really appreciate uh, all your support. Another thing on Skylar Thompson, though, you know, I think part of the problem is he's an athlete. He's got a really good athletic profile, right? Like when he moves around, you're saying like, man, you would like to see him run a little bit more, but I think it's like easier said than done. Like you look at Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, some of the other guys, even Daniel Jones for this giants team. I think part of it is like, you have to have a knack for when to run, how to run, how to attack the team. And you also don't want to put the ball in jeopardy. Like if you don't, if your ball security isn't great, that could be a you know a problem. And maybe that's they, something they tell him. Like, listen, run if you have a lane and if you feel comfortable. But if you don't, you know, throw the ball away because we don't want any turnovers. I just don't know when he gets when he gets out of the pocket, as I've watched the last couple of his you know starts, and then again today, he just looks uncomfortable like he's just looking to get rid of the ball because he's worried about what that next step could be. Some guys just can't maybe run with it. No, and that's fair. And listen, this is a second to last drafted quarterback in this year's draft class. Should they have taken Brock Purdy? Yeah, I think one. Let me let me say this. I think Brock Purdy is a very talented quarterback. I also think that he is in the the dream system for a quarterback. I think uh, Shanahan's system uh, helps bring out the strengths, no matter who is there. Although maybe mine is Trey Lance, who's kind of was the only one that struggled so far. Sorry, Trey Lance fans, um, but. It, uh, he was great, but yeah, second to last quarterback drafted. Uh, I don't think Miami was expecting him to play a significant uh, amount of time as a rookie. We ended up in eight games, including this week's game, uh, three starts. So not ideal, but good experience going forward, especially considering the fact that while Tua is supposedly in their future for 2023 with his injury history, I, I think that the Dolphins will look back and say, hey, it's good that 
Thompson ended up getting all these reps and there were some good things to take from it going forward. Um, so if you want some good things to take for you going forward, make sure you head over to valuehomecenters.com right now. They got their latest ad out, all the deals in the world uh, that you want to find. Uh, you know, if you've got a home project that you're working on, something around the house, uh, want to get a gift for a friend, make sure you join their text program. And you do that uh, by texting value, V-A-L-U, to this number right here, 80692. You'll start saving even more. You'll receive exclusive coupons, see their weekly deals, and so much more. We got to give out our toolsy players of the game, our value mm-hmm. toolsy player of the game. I'll start because it's Kyrie Elam for me, and I want to talk about him again because this was a moment for him, right? Dane Jackson goes down, Christian Benford still inactive, He's working his way back from injury. You drafted Kyrie Elam in the first round. He wasn't even playing in this game. You know, they were they were all in on Dane Jackson, guy that they think that they could trust. We were talking about during the game. It's, he's the new Levi Wallace, right? I mean, yeah. when in doubt, they are going to default to Dane Jackson because, you know, they know what he can do in the run game, so on and so forth. This was a big moment for Kyrie Elam. I said it all along. I thought he should have been playing more. I would have, at the very least, rotated him in with Dane Jackson. And that's not a knock on Jackson. It's more about, to me, what I think Kyrie Elam can be, you know? And he proved it today. You know, he's on the on the field. I mean, it's an easy place to be when you're going up against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, despite the drop issues. When you get out in space, when you're fighting one-on-one with them, to just shrink a little bit in those moments. Sure. And today we saw Kyrie Elam completely rise to that challenge. That's... You want to take a, a, a takeaway? We mentioned Trey earlier today. You're, Kyrie Elam's going to be huge next week against Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd if that ends up being the Bengals. Yeah. I think he gained a lot of confidence in this game. Same thing with Tredavious White. I think in that Cincinnati game, if you're looking for hope also, this Bills defensive line is playing with a lot of confidence. They're going to go, be going up against a very banged up, potentially Cincinnati offensive line as well. You get some pressure, pressure combined with guys that are making plays Back-to-back weeks, Trey White interception, Kyrie Elam interception in the most important time of the season. Toolsy player of the game today for Kyrie. Yeah, that's a great choice. And listen, there there are guys that went over 100 yards or guys that scored touchdowns. I'm going off the beaten path, Matt. I'm going with Devin Singletary for my value player of the game. Third and long, game on the line. Defense knows what you are going to do. You're going to run the ball. You want to run that clock down, uh, whether or not you move the chains. And what does Singletary do? He takes on some hits. He keeps his legs moving. He lets the offensive lineman give him a little bit of a push forward as well. And he gets those tough yards. He gets the first down, and the Bills only have to take one knee after that. You know, James Cook has been great. He's that Corvette. He's that extra gear. Uh, He's the guy that can take it the distance anytime he carries it. But Devin Singletary, you know, he, he's the family van with 100,000 miles on it. There might be a hiccup here or there. There, there might be a fumble. Poor Devin. Poor motor. I, I, motor, exactly. But that motor still runs, and it runs well. And when you need it to come through, he comes through in those clutch moments. And it goes back to the coaching staff. We talked about how Dane Jackson was that, that player at cornerback that they rely on. They can rely on Devin Singletary in the biggest moments. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Let's talk about bigger picture stuff real quick. You know, there's a lot that's been going on with this team over the last two weeks, right? I mean, DeMar Hamill was back in the building yesterday. And you, you think about, like you wrote a story about Trey White finally getting his hug and, you know, getting to meet with DeMar. A bunch of players were able to go over and see him. Sean McDermott said, being the team guy that he is, he was trying to stay off to the, you know, the side, like the far end of the end zone and just kind of, uh, you know, just be around the team without being like maybe a distraction. But 
man, I, I can't imagine that would be a distraction. If I was a player on that team, I want him front and center right. just to be able to love on him and just be a part of the whole situation. But bigger picture stuff, this, this, this team's gone through a lot over the last couple of weeks. And I wonder, you know, as, as much as you could kind of dial in on the deep, like I know for me, we're now January 15th. We're towards the end of the NFL season. Like I'm in times I'm putting, I'm hitting the cruise control, right? Like just trying to get to the end of the line. Like it's a, a great job, a fun job, but you know, doing it week after week after week, it, it you get tired. It, get, it gets tiring. And yeah. you know, maybe there's an error in an article or maybe we have a bad segment on the podcast. Like I, I, I could see that happening. Right. So part of me wonders how much what we saw today, just this kind of discombobulated effort. Once things kind of went off the beaten path has anything to do with what this this organization has gone through over the last couple of weeks. And maybe if this can be a reset to be like, okay, we had so many things go wrong in this game and we were in danger. We were down in the second half against a team that, you know, they were supposed to beat by two touchdowns. Maybe they're able to springboard off of this reset, refocused, and maybe have it not be as big of an issue moving forward. Or maybe this continues to be something where maybe the last couple of weeks have just taken a lot out of this team and organization. Uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to find another team that's had a more emotional draining year than the bills bills this season. You can go all the way back to uh, actually Trey white said it in his response today with the media, he's, he, he brought up the top shooting first. He brought up a lot of the uh, injuries with the players. He brought up a lot of the things with family members of the players and the, the things that they've had to go through as a team. And yeah, it, it's brought them closer together. It, it's added resolve to them wanting to play for one another, but at the same time, it takes its toll on you over the course of a season. And, and yet there's been great things with DeMar Hamlin's improved health with Micah Hyde's uh, IR window opening up, but it's going to be interesting to see next week. If they come out a, a little, I can't say flat, they opened up 17 to nothing, but if they kind of hit a wall, are they going to be able to bounce back against a, a better team? No offense to the dolphins, but whoever they play is advancing. That's going to be a better team. Uh, or is this going to be the end of the road? I, I I think that the Bills went in as Super Bowl favorites this year, and they started out really strong. But with every little thing that's happened, and you lose your best safety, or one of your top safeties, you lose Von Miller. Just the on-player or on-field issues, not even anything off-field, it takes its toll, Matt. It does. You, you mentioned safety a couple times in there. You know, Michael Hyde, obviously. Uh, Sean McDermott said a couple days ago that don't expect Michael Hyde in this game. Also, don't expect him next week. He will not be ready to go for the divisional round. Uh, Sean McDermott already ruling him out. So I know a lot of Bills fans are kind of like, you know, watching that storyline because what a, what a, you know, juice, you know, delivering move that would be to add him back into the active roster on game day. But I want to shout out a couple other players. We gave out a toolsy players of the game. I think we could throw some, uh, some side action here at Dean Marlowe, yes. who stepped in here today, second straight start. And I think, He's really lifted this defense. He, you know, we were talking about Kyrie Elam making a play that, you know, gave this team, you know, a big spark. Dean Marlowe with that interception. I mean, just precision, Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, secondary play. You know, he kind of got into his zone, hid underneath that first receiver, uh, was able to kind of float back a little bit. And Skylar Thompson, I don't even think saw him, picks it off, makes the play. And it's one thing to make that play. But it's another thing, you know, and knock it down maybe, but it's another thing to actually pick it off. That was a huge spark and a huge play. He made a play in the run game as well. Huge shout out to Dean Marlowe. Yeah, and I can't help but smile because post game, the first thing he admitted was he was out of place schematically on that play. Oh, wow. He's not where he was supposed to be. And he said, you know, I, I it worked out. It worked out pretty nicely. Maybe they need to be out of uh, out of place a few more times throughout the game. But he said he recovered on it. Uh, he was able to make a good play on the ball and he came away with the interception. So, yeah, I mean, 
just one of those plays where I, I love the honesty. It wasn't just, oh, yeah, you know, I, I read his eyes and I kind of was waiting for him. Was, I was actually out of place, but I was able to recover and make a really good play on the ball. But he's been really good since they've had to call him up. And, you know, we talked about it when when they first traded for him. He was an active a lot. He didn't get much playing time. But when the opportunity has come, he's really stepped up and, and played some quality football against the Patriots last week and against the Dolphins this week. I'm really interested to see what the Tremaine Edmonds contract looks like, Mm. because, you know, this was against Skylar Thompson today and Dolphins offense that, you know, I don't think, you know, without Tua, it's just different. They still got great players. And, you know, I think Gusecki even played well today, but you want to talk about game changing plays. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds made several of them and they weren't the, you know, the splashy variety, like the sacks or the interceptions that I know you know, fans have been clamoring for. He's had a couple of those this year, but they're listed the little things, just the way that he moves on the football field and changes the dynamic of the, the opponent's passing game. You know, he read his coverage read on Salvin Ahmad out of the backfield when if he doesn't read that in time and explode and make that tackle, first of all, it's an incomplete pass, number one. But number two, if he doesn't react quick enough, Ahmad catches that ball and probably gains about 10 yards for a first time. You know, it was also such a ferocious hit that, it, you know, sidelined Ahmad. And you don't ever want anybody no. to be injured, but it sidelined him for a couple of plays. And that's just the kind of impact that Tremaine Edmonds, Edmonds has from a physical perspective. Down the stretch, um, middle of the field, seam route, Mike Kosecki was wide open. Yeah. Tremaine Edmonds ma- makes makes a dive over to the ball, gets just a, a twinge of a hand, yeah, tip, of tip of the, the fingertip. fingertip. Yes. Yeah. Edmonds reaches up, just gets a fingernail yeah. on that ball and it was enough if you watch the slow-mo replay where the ball moved just enough Kasicki's not able to haul it right. in those are monster monster plays in coverage and Tremaine Edmonds I mean I know Matt Milano got all the love this week because of and, and again played like an all-pro player I, I think Tremaine Edmonds is right in the conversation as an all-pro caliber, caliber, caliber player yeah and he gets a lot of love from opposing coaches from media uh the Bills fan base over the years maybe not so much love but I, this is a career year for him and it has been and you know that hit on uh, Ahmed was was a huge play it was something where how many times Matt did we see Skylar Thompson complete a short pass where they were able to move the chains right. this was one that was read well there was no blocker in front of him and he just blew the play up the play to Gasecki was huge too we've already talked about Milano this Bills linebacking core is playing among the best in the league for a reason, and there's a lot of reason to have faith in them. I saw a comment, um, and I see the reaction is right in line with what it should be. Somebody said, get Edmonds off the team, please. And I think that you know sometimes the trolls even make it into the Shout Football Podcast comment section because that is the ultimate troll job. Let's, let's get real here. I mean, I think Tremaine Edmonds has been one of the most solid pieces of this defense all season. And, and, I've, and I've even understood I've been – you know, I've always been a little bit higher than on Edmonds than most. And I've understood you take a guy, you trade up for him in the first round, and you want some of those splash plays. And you see guys like Roquan Smith and Fred Warner, guys that are just flying around the ball and then flying around the field and then also making those big-time plays. You want more. I get that. Sure. But Tremaine Edmonds has offered those splash plays at a higher level this season – but also just like his presence. I don't think people really understand how much it changes what offenses are even able to dial up and try to execute because he's out there. Yeah, and 
there's something to be said too about the talent that was in front of him in, in past years. I think it helps when you have a Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver playing at a high caliber, and it allows you to free up and play more freely in the run game. Uh, there were some times where over pursuing was one of his biggest knocks on him. I haven't seen that from him much at all this year. He's been solid in the run game. He's made those plays with his athleticism in the passing game. Uh, and going back to a previous game this season, go back to that Vikings game. The Bills are dominating early, and that's when Tremaine Edmonds was on the field. As soon as Edmonds went out, that's when the Vikings started moving the ball. He is a difference maker for this defense, whether some people realize it or not. And uh, with him and Milano out there, you know they're always going to have a chance to, to stop drives and to get the ball back for the offense. You're always going to have a chance if you head over to the Topps Carryout Cafe to hook yourself up for game day, your tailgating spread, or whatever you need all week long, they got you hooked up over at the Carry Out Cafe. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, $14. The jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, $14. The legendary breakfast pizza, $20. I'm going to start talking to the Bill's PR people, see if they can't get some Topps Ooh. breakfast pizzas in here for us in the morning. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Some, they got some or, meatballs today. Yeah, they get, get some Topps. Mulberry meatballs, that would be great. That, those were great. Here's the thing. Maybe next time. On the drive over, we just stop over at Tops, grab a couple pies, bring them in for the press people. People can be really excited about that. I think that's uh, that's that's big. Uh, pizza or taco log, six counts, seven sixty nine. Baby back rib sections, five ninety nine a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. One final take here, and I want to leave you with this, and I want to get your thoughts on it because off the wall here, right? Look at how. The Bengals have been talking the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Figure that they're going to, you know, they're, they're the favorite to beat the Ravens. Say they win, they're going to be in the stadium here, maybe Saturday night, Sunday next week. I think that this kind of game where you escape with a win, but you put out a lot of bad tape, a lot of good tape, but yeah. a lot of bad tape increases, though, that confidence meter for the Raven or for the Bengals to come in here and to smash you around for a while and then walk, walk away with a big win on the road. I think this could add to that. I think this could potentially help the, the Bills and also refocus things knowing that, hey, man, like we should have just absolutely destroyed the Dolphins in this building. Now you have to go back to the to the drawing board. You have to refocus knowing that it's only going to get harder for here. And maybe with playoff Gabe and Stefan Diggs, who was out of his mind for the first 18 minutes before the, the Dolphins did everything they could to take him out of the game, Knox making plays, Devin Singletary making plays, uh, James Cook heavily involved in the run game. Somebody tweeted at me, by the way, something crazy. I didn't respond to it, but like, we got to get James Cook more involved in the offense. And I looked at, he had more carries than Devin Singletary yeah. in this game. So come down if you're watching. Thank you for watching. Hit that like <laughs> button, subscribe as well. I think the Bills can find a way to use this as a net positive mm-hmm. moving forward, as crazy as that is the sound, in the immediate aftermath of the result. And listen, this was their third matchup this season against Miami, and Miami tried some new things that the Bills were not necessarily expecting or that they had seen before. Uh, the Bengals and the Bills played half of a quarter of football. Uh, we don't know if their game plan will adjust, but you said it. The Bills put a lot of bad tape on, on film today and special teams, on offense, especially especially. Uh, so going into this game here, maybe they go in with uh, some false bravado or false confidence. And it's going to be up to the bills though, to, to show that they can clean that up and, and make plays when it matters most. But I still think from a talent perspective, the bills can go to toe to toe with anyone, including the Bengals, including the chiefs and including whoever uh, represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. Thank you so much. Oh, we got a, got a last minute uh, super chat here. Hey, Bengals went ugly uh, on the way to Super Bowl. Also coaching, Almost uh, cost this team today. Very disappointing with that aspect. We talked about that a little bit more 
earlier in the show. So rewind the show. You can, you can get our thoughts on that. But, you know, I have to agree. And I think Sean McDermott took accountability yeah. for that piece of, of this game today. He mentioned that, you know, that Ken Dorsey probably wanted some of those calls back. It's not all going to be perfect. And to your point, I think part of what's baked in for Josh and the players about like getting things that they maybe weren't expecting was, you know, if they hit a couple of those deep shots, yeah. we're probably having a much different conversation about Ken Dorsey in this game, much like we did last year. It was so up and down with, with Brian Dable. And that's one thing that I think fans also forget a little bit about is like the explosive nature of the relationship with, with Dable before he left. Like we fielded, how many shows did we get yeah. where hashtag fire Dable was trending oh, on Twitter? Yeah. And that was an actual thing. And I just think no matter who the play caller is, it's never 100% perfect unless it's Andy Reid and there's that built-in long-term level of trust and, you know, consistent success, which Ken Dorsey doesn't have the op- opportunity to have that yet. It's his first season as a play caller. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's going to grow as he continues to perform in that role. And, you know, even Sean McDermott, there was some timeout usage issues that you wrote about that he would like to probably have back. And to his credit, he said there were some things he didn't like that he saw in terms of how they were uh, matching up. And as a head coach, that's something you have to do at the end of the day. But even a, a guy like McDermott, who's been coaching for many, many years, but as head coach of the Bills, uh, for, since 2017, he's even still learning on the job here year by year. So it, it's something that you expect no matter who the coach is, no matter the position, no matter the experience. And I think in the end, I do agree with him in hindsight that if you don't like the look and you have a, one of their speedy guys burning down the field and who beat yeah. Trey White on that play, like, and he didn't like something pre-snap and you have timeouts in that spot with a game hanging in the balance – I don't have as big of an issue in hindsight. I think the immediate reaction to it was more um, of an uproar because they didn't get it. But you also have to take into account what could have happened and you don't have the benefit of seeing into a crystal ball to make that call. So I didn't have as much problem with the first timeout. The other timeout, maybe he didn't like what something that he saw and I understand that, but I don't know. It's easy to play you know, sure. Monday morning quarterback and second guess everything. Uh, sometimes in those situations, you want to make sure you're set and you're best situated to defend. Yeah. And the first one came on a Tremaine Edmonds tackle where he went across the field to make a play. The second came on a fourth and one where it looked like they stood up Jeff Wilson or Ahmed, whichever one had the, the ball. But you said it. it's all about the way you line up. The only issue I would have had with uh, either timeout is the fact that this was a one score game, a very close game and timeouts ultimately proved uh, to be important late because the Dolphins went through their third timeout, I want to say with about seven minutes left in the game. And when it really mattered, uh, they could not burn any time off the, or they couldn't stop the clock, I should say. And the Bills were able to wind it down to zero after that uh, Singletary run. We hope you wind this episode all the way back to zero and watch anything that you miss. We covered everything in this game. We're going to cover so much more as we move into next week. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino from Highmark Stadium signing off the Bills 34-31 winners in a nail-biter over the Dolphins. We'll see you next week. Tune in then. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.